Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. We are in week four of our series titled, Pray For It. Everyone say, Pray For It. I hope you've been praying more than ever before. I want to encourage you to pray, amen, more than ever before. Let's seek the face of God. And we're giving different facets of prayer, what to pray for, why to pray. Um, we, we spent three weeks on the life of Daniel because Daniel was one of the great prayers of the Word of God. But we're going to be moving into the New Testament today. And I want to speak from a text that we use a lot, very often, already, but I don't know that we use it um, to the depth that God desires, okay? Um, I, I actually haven't preached on this text before, and I'm just beating myself for it because I think it's so powerful. Um, we're going to be speaking out of 2 Corinthians, but before we go there, don't put that up yet. Before we go there, I want to say this. 2 Corinthians was written by the Apostle Paul, and I've just read um, recently in my in my uh, regular kind of Bible reading routine, I just read when the Apostle Paul was converted. And it's interesting because when Paul was converted, he was reading the Bible, but he wasn't saved. He read the Bible every day. In fact, the Apostle Paul knew the Bible better than most people on the planet. He knew it backwards and forwards, but he was in the wrong space. That's the way I'm going to describe it. He was reading the Bible so he could learn what he um, should do to please God. And he wanted to obey the law in his own strength and in his own energy. And it was all based on himself on his own abilities. And you know what? He was pretty good at it. But the Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags. No matter how good we think, quote, we are, it doesn't really matter because our righteousness doesn't meet up to the righteousness of God. Can we put this down just a hair here? And, um, and the Apostle Paul gets knocked off a horse and then he moves from one space to another. And I want to talk about that space and how much it should influence our prayer life. So we're going to go right into it, and you'll see in a moment what I mean. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, uh, verse, beginning with verse 18, he says, But as surely as God is faithful... Our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me and Silas and Timothy, now a younger minister who's starting the chain of kingdom leadership. The chain of kingdom leadership was starting here with Timothy. And it says... Uh, uh, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, 
by me and Silas and Timothy was not yes and no, but in him, in Christ, it has always been yes. All right, next. And then it says, for no matter how many everyone, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are everyone, three words, yes in Christ. They are yes in Christ. And so through him, through Jesus, the everyone, amen. One more time, one more time, amen. We say amen a lot. The amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Amen is not something that's just cultural. Amen is something that's spiritual and powerful. Okay? I was talking to Pastor Josh about this. And Pastor Josh, who's preaching the same message right now, he said, amen is not just so that you make the preacher happy. Amen is powerful because of what it is doing, okay? And I'm gonna break this down in a moment. Put it back up. Uh, I'm sorry, put that back up. It says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ, and so through him, the everyone amen, is spoken by us to the glory of God, okay? So part of what the apostle Paul was speaking of is he was speaking of the many, many promises of God, and he used to live on the basis of his human effort, but now he's living for what God has promised. Christianity, New Testament Christianity, goes from my strength to what God promises. It goes from what I, my merits, what I used to do, good or bad, to what God promises simply because he loved us. How many are thankful that for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That who should ever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. We are saved when we put our faith in Jesus. He promises to save us. Anybody happy to be saved by Jesus? Come on, put your hands together. Hallelujah. And the moment you give your life to Christ, your life changes from your own strength to what God promises. And the title of today's message is... Pray, hallelujah, pray the promises. Everybody say, pray the promises. This is the space that God wants us to live in. He wants us to wake up every day and pray his promises. Say, Lord, you promised this, and this is what I'm expecting. This is what I'm believing, not because I deserve it, but because you're great and powerful, and you always keep your promise. How many believe he always keeps his promises? Hallelujah. But listen, it's a space. It's a faith space that you get into. And you could be reading the word of God, but not be in the space of faith. So I want to pray in a moment. I want us to pray for ourselves.
But we must understand that all of Christianity is simply based on us living and believing or believing and then living what the Lord has promised. Look at what promise means real quickly here. A promise is an agreement or declaration of assurance of exact information. A solemn pledge or vow, okay? In Latin, in Roman times, they would say, pacta sunt servanda. That meant agreements must be kept. All of society, all of civilization and history has been built on promises. Promises run, they start from the time we have our little children and we, we read them fairy tales and there's often a promise in our fairy tales. But it moves into our legal contracts, things that are enforceable by law. Many contracts are known as promissory notes. We have familial promises, the vow to be faithful to one person. When we get married, that is a promise before God that says, I will live with you forever, for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse. I don't know how we're going to work it out during the tough times, but we will work it out because I promise before God. That's what marriage is saying. And it was considered a legal binding contract in the eyes of everyone. All of us know that there are election promises. Just a little tidbit of information. I, f I found this interesting as we did some research. Listen to this. You pop that up. So Cicero had an advisor. His name was Quintus. And here's what he said back in 64 BC. He said, promise everything to everyone. The best way to win voters is to tell them what they want to hear. People will be much angrier with a candidate who refuses to make promises than one who once elected breaks them. And isn't it funny how we know they're going to break their promises, but we still get all excited about what they promise. It's warped in our culture because we don't really expect it, but we know that's the way the world goes. The world has been driven by the promises of man, but we're not talking about the promises of man today. We're talking about the promises of the Most High God, and He always keeps His promise. So imagine, even though you and I have been disappointed many times by broken promises, But imagine God saying to you, I promise. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about the creator of the universe, the one who by his mighty power, he spoke the stars, the planets into existence. By his supernatural sovereign wisdom, he, he spoke this planet All the, the entire ecosystem, the plants, the fish, the animals, words from his mighty powerful mouth, the all-powerful one, spoke this world into existence. Some people want to believe that something came out of nothing, but I believe that all of this came because of the mighty word of the living Father. Hallelujah. 
We're talking about living based on the promise of God. I want to pray that all of us would get into that space of faith. You know, real quick and then we'll pray. It's like, you know, I think that everyone occasionally can feel a little bit overwhelmed. Anybody ever get a little bit overwhelmed? You know? So I'm, I've got a promise running in my spirit right now. Psalm, it's Psalm 3734, okay? And um, like this personally is what energizes this moment for me because it's personal to me. So when you, when you read Psalm 37, it begins with don't fret. Now fret to me is a mixture of worry and anxiety, which we call stress in a way. So it's like Psalm 37 begins with saying, don't get stressed out, right? So, um, so anyway, I was reading the other day. I was like, Lord, I got to do this. I was trying to, I was trying to pray my, sometimes I pray my schedule and I started to pray my schedule and I started to like, I was like, oh my goodness. And God gave me Psalm 34, uh, 37, 34. You ready? Here it is. Hope in the Lord. This is the way I read it. Okay. My wife was saying, man, you read that at, we did that. We, I've shared this in a prayer meeting in Philly. She was like, you're talking to us like three, we were three-year-olds. Okay. Sometimes that's good. Ready? Hope in the Lord. Everybody say hope in the Lord. Keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. One more time, ready? Hope in the Lord, keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. And so here's, here, come on, yes, let's praise God for his word. So the Lord was whispering, you can't do it, but I can do it. Just put your hope in me. How many know God can solve your problems? How many know God can take care of our issues? Hope in the Lord. And then keep his way. See, too many people, this is a separate sermon, but I'll preach it in one minute here. Too many people, when the pressure gets on, you lose, you throw away the playbook. He's saying, don't throw away the playbook. Just keep my way. You don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it, I promise. And he will exalt you to inherit everything that he has for you. No man can stop it. No demon can stop it. No power can stop it. We will inherit it. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your hands with me. Father, in the name of Jesus. God, put us in the place of faith that pleases you. God, help us lie. Guide us by the Holy Spirit to your promises. Shine light on your promises, Heavenly Father, and help us to be people of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please you. And God, you have a promise for all of us. You have many, many promises for your people. Get us into the place, not where we're looking for knowledge, but Lord, where we're looking for more than knowledge. We're looking for your promise. And help us, Lord, to live based on the promise. 
So bless this word. God, bless our time together. God, I thank you that when we focus on your promise, we get free. God, I pray that you would free us from the cause and effects of this world. Free us, O oh God, from, from the things that could or, or, or could not happen. Put us in a place of faith. We don't want to point fingers at circumstances and at people, Lord. We want to set our hearts on you. So bless this word now by your mighty power. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said... Amen. Hallelujah. Come on. Amen. Praise the Lord. So as children of God, promises are that faith space that we need to be uh, living in because of the one who makes the promise. And we can rest our prayers. The promises of God are the bedrock of our faith. Amen. So I want to take two moments based on this passage, two, uh, just a few moments based on this passage to point out why pray the promises. Here's what this passage is saying. First of all, God is unequivocally faithful to himself. I'm sorry, I was trying to find a different word, but I couldn't find it. He is unequivocally, like there is like no area of unfaithfulness in God. There's no angle of unfaithfulness to God. And God, when you think about the promise of God, it's not about him being faithful to you even though he promises that. It's actually about him being faithful to himself. What I wanna do is I wanna give you a string of verses that build this argument, okay? God always keeps his word, first of all, because he is the word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The reason that he's always faithfulness to his Word is because he is the Word. Okay? He keeps his Word because he is the Word. That Bible that you have is not just a book. Even if it's digital, the minute you open up, whether you get it on your phone or you open the, the, the Word of God in the, in the good old-fashioned Indian paper, it doesn't matter, brothers and sisters. I'm telling you right now, that is the living Word of God. When you read it, that is Jesus. Hallelujah. That's Jesus. The Word of God is Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Hallelujah. So when you read the Bible, you have to understand that Jesus always honors his Word because he's honoring himself. Let's take that a little bit further, okay? Because here's what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that he uses himself, his character, to back his promises. When God made his promise to Abram, Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself. Okay? God says, don't swear. 
Why? Because you're not great enough to swear. You're not great enough to keep the promise. You can want to keep a promise, but he say, don't swear because there's only one who can swear by himself. And that's Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, because he's able to back up and keep his promise. Somebody say, amen. It says he swore by himself. He said, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. So after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was, what was promised. Because he waited against all hope, against all circumstances. He chose to live in the space of promise. When things were not turning out the way God said, he said, doesn't matter how it's right now. I know that my God is always right on time. I wish he would show up sooner sometimes, but he's never late. You understand? God promised to me. And so God promised him a son. And even though he was way past childbearing age and his wife was way past childbearing age, the Holy Spirit came upon both of them and they conceived and that child started a line of blessing that leads to this very room. We are all Abraham's children. Why? Because God promised it. And see, one of the things that we don't even understand is how big a promise is. Like, Abraham didn't even understand. Like, like he did not have Chicago on his mind. But God had you and me and our children and our children's children on his mind. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, when you read this text, when you read this text, this is where the amen comes. Okay, because we receive and we come into agreement with his person and his word. When it says, therefore, it's we say the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Here's what it's basically happening. Romans 10, 9 says this. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Okay, this is very important for you to understand the order of faith. Just in case you come from a name it and claim it background, like sometimes this particular point can be distorted, but I want to bring clarity to it right now. It says, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So here's what the word of God is saying is, is that when we believe in our heart, faith does not originate in the mouth. Faith originates in the heart. Okay? You read the promise of God, you receive the promise of God, Okay, and then you confess, so you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth. 
Now, that when we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and we invite him into our hearts as Lord and Savior, we're born again. But your life continues so that day by day, you open up the Bible. And when you open up the Bible, and you might be a little bit overwhelmed because of so many things, then God says, hope in the Lord. Right? Keep his way. Don't change the play, Al. Okay, stay on track. And guess what? He will exalt you in his time to inherit everything that he has for you. And guess what you say? You say, amen. The amen, we practice it here. And when we say amen here, we should say it from a deep place. Say amen from your heart. Don't say it from your head. Say it from your heart. Say, I believe. I agree with the word of God. I agree with the word of God. You say amen from the inside. You say amen, I've had a difficult week. Hey, you say amen, the devil has been coming at me. I've been discouraged. I've been in a fight. I want to quit, but my God is faithful. He will never leave me nor forsake me. I say amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. That will shake the heavenly realms. That will move the angels. It'll move demons, but it'll move the angels. We just read that. And let me tell you something. You need to learn how to say amen in private. Okay? You gotta learn how to say amen in private. What we do here is supposed to help you do it at home. You should have your own worship service at home, your own Bible study and reading at home, your own praise service saying, I say amen to the Lord my God, hallelujah. You see, this is not about acting, this is about living, hallelujah. Praise him in your house, give him glory where you live, hallelujah. That's what we pastors are thinking about. It's how you're doing. And, and, and how you're doing is always based on are you living in the space of faith? Because faith is what pleases God. Amen. Hallelujah. So just remember, just remember, brothers and sisters, this is for us as the children of God. And let me tell you something, it's a lot more difficult to get discouraged and depressed once you've said amen in private. Like your flesh may want to, your mind may want you to, but you can't because your spirit is already in agreement with Jesus and his person and his word. Get in agreement with him in private and watch how you're gonna walk with more steadiness, more stability. Christians are supposed to be stable. Where do you get that stability from? We get the stability from the promise of God. He is with me. He will take care of me. Amen. Hallelujah. Let me give you a, a quick illustration. There was a great missionary David Livingston in Africa, he, he impacted really, in a way, the whole continent. 
And this is real quickly how he put it into practice. When he was first going into, uh, into Africa, let me read it here. When he was first visiting there, he came to the Zambezi tribe and wanted to cross. The chief had been mistreated by some treacherous trader and had vowed to kill the next non-native who came across. So the king made a promise. Livingston, by his fluttering candle, turned to the Bible and read, as always, his evening passage, coming to the promise, lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. And surely it must have felt like the ends of the earth there. Closing the book said, he said, it is the word of a gentleman of the strictest and most sacred honor. I will not flee. Right? You know what? That, that's a Chicago for saying, I ain't going back. I'm not turning back. Okay? And he did not flee, was used mightily by God in Central Africa. Now, here's what this means. This means is that a king of the earth made a promise. But then he says, but I appeal to a greater power. I appeal to a greater power. And guess what? I'm going to show up. And he did show up and he got through. Because greater is he that is in us than he and everybody else that is in the world. Could somebody say with me, amen. Come on, put your hands together and say yes, hallelujah. So the reason why we pray the promises of God and we come into agreement is because God is faithful to himself. Okay, and I want to say one more thing. I'm going to move to the next point. Okay, our amen and our faith is not a formula or automatic. Amen is not like magical presto. Now, all of a sudden you get everything you want. That's not what the scripture is saying. The scripture is saying is, I agree and I will wait with faith, hope, and love until God does what he promised. Abraham waited patiently. See, the promise is supposed to sustain you while you're waiting. While you're waiting for your, 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 your child to turn to Christ, the promise says, I'm going to get him. Hallelujah. You know, while you're waiting for A or B or C, whatever, the promise says, I will come through. I will do it by my mighty power. But he's being faithful to himself because God always keeps his word. Amen. Number two, okay, the reason that we pray the promises is because God has been faithful to the faith-filled in every generation. I'm going to say that slow if they could send me a keyboard player. God has been faithful to the faith-filled in every generation. From the beginning of time. Okay, and it wasn't based on how perfect people are. If you read in the Old Testament, Abraham, he did a lot of f foolish things. He made lots of mistakes. 
okay? And his children and, and men of God failed God and women of God have failed God. But God is not faithful because of who we are. He's faithful because of who he is. Hallelujah, Jesus. So when the people of the world spot a flaw and you say, hey, you're supposed to be a Christian, you're like, hallelujah for the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. That's right. I got the blood. What do you got? You need to get some of what I got. You need the blood. Okay? Because I've got something to wash away my flaws. I've got one, I've got one who gives me a fresh start. What about you? You're just like me. Hallelujah. It's not about perfection. It's about his faithfulness. And all throughout the generations, God has always been faithful to the faith-filled. Every generation has a remnant of people that live, that live by his promises. Okay? But here's the question. The real question is, this is a challenge to me. This is a challenge to all of the pastors. Okay? The real question is, Will you be part of that generation? The real question is, will we together, as the family of God, will we be different? Will, be, will we be counted among those when all is said and done, will they say, we lived based on the promises of God? We didn't live based on the climate. We didn't live based on the politics. We didn't live based on the culture. We chose to live based on the promises of God. How many know God wants to use us? He wants to bless us, but we must live and believe in the promises of God. Will you do that, not just for the glory of God, but for the sake of your children and your children's children? You want to pass something on great to your kids? Pass on faith in the promises of God. Pass on, oh man. My mom, my dad, they weren't perfect. But man, they believed God. Hallelujah. They believed God. Psalm 145 says this. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. One generation, okay? We are supposed to pass it on. We're supposed to pass it on. Give your kids, give your friends, give your loved ones testimonies of faith. Hallelujah. That's what we're called to do. It's better than a big promotion and a lot of money and a lot of whatever. And you know what? God can provide all of those things. I'm not knocking all of those things. But what I'm saying is, is that what really matters, what really counts is that we live by faith. Hallelujah. Look in the Bible. This is how it worked in the Bible. Hallelujah. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. Every generation, God raises people up to live by faith. Okay, this is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. Everybody say, Jesus, Jesus. 
from generation to generation. We've got to pass on and exalt the name of Jesus. Come on, put your hands together. Let's exalt the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 That's the way it goes. Exalting the name of Jesus. This past week, I had the privilege of speaking to the national executive leaders of Teen Challenge. Teen Challenge is, in my opinion, one of the most remarkable ministries out there because they take people in who, who uh, are addicted, broken, shattered for all sorts of reasons, and they, they spend time with them. It's a year process. But they, they send people out. We've got men and women of God right here in this house who are Teen Challenge graduates and who are really serving God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. I, I, I can't even tell you how honored I was to speak to these people who are in the trenches at that level. Amazing. Well, Teen Challenge... Chicago Tabernacle and many, many churches started from a prayer meeting in 1906. The prayer meeting was started by a gentleman whose name was William Seymour. Okay? So William Seymour heard, like, like for a while, people were moving away from teaching on revival, on the power of the Holy Spirit, on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But at the turn of the century, this teaching began to just swell up again. And as it began to swell up, he got a hold of it. And he started a prayer meeting in a house uh, in L.A. on Azusa Street. And people started to get, just like the book of Acts, people started to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And something so powerful happened. Actually, they were, they, there's one story, and if you haven't read the book of Zusa Street, you ought to. They were on the, the porch, and the whole, so many people crying out to God, the whole porch fell in. So they took it to a barn, and in this barn, a prayer meeting went for years, for years, and people were coming from all over the world. They were sending a press. Uh, um, people from Israel, I'm talking about from the four corners of the earth. Something supernatural. This was April of 1906. By September of 1906, 40,000 newsletters were sent detailing what God was doing. And it started to spread all over the world, literally. And by 1909, Spirit-filled churches are all over America and in 50 nations. Something so swept through the whole planet, but so swept through our country because some people were praying and saying, I believe there's a reason why the prayer meeting is the most important meeting of the week. We come to the prayer meeting because we believe that God is faithful to his promises and God answers prayer. Somebody say amen to that. God answers prayer. Hallelujah. And we want to be part of building the kingdom of God. By 1914, spirit-filled churches were in every major city. Different denominations, uh, 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 Assembly of God, Church of God in Christ, great missionary movements. To the, today, 
today. And one of our overseers, his name is uh, uh, Pastor Dominic Yo. He's one of the, the wise counsel of our church. He's actually like the general secretary of the World Fellowship of Churches that came from here today. Over 700 million Christians are represented in the different denominations that started in one prayer meeting. One prayer meeting. And I was telling this to the staff and we'll, we'll close in a minute. I remember, I remember, um, I remember when I first gave my heart to the Lord and Christy and I got married and I'm reading when Simeon sees um, the Lord in the temple in Luke chapter one or two. And he says, Lord, now I can go home and be with you because I've seen the salvation. You promised I would see it. And when I read that over 30 years ago, I said, Lord, I want to see a real revival and I want my children to see a real revival with my own eyes. And I've been waiting. I've seen God do miracles. I've seen God do, but I want to see a mighty wind of God blow across the land. I want to see him do something great and powerful. But look, I just saw him. Reagan, uh, uh, Taylor, uh, is he there? Hey, Taylor, are you? Okay, there he is. He's back there. Everybody look back there. He's waving his hands. Come on, come on, raise your hands, bro. There he is. Okay, so he started, he, we, I met he and his wife um, early on in the days. If I remember correctly, Taylor didn't really know the Lord, but he gave his life to the Lord. And he became, he's become such an incredible man of God. And, and I forgot where I was that they showed me something that his son did. So I think that we put this up before. Could we put this up? So his son is, I forgot the age, 13. And he feels called to the ministry. And he wrote this devotional for our kids for Backpack Sunday. Okay, Pastor Tim, by the way, he carries this on his backpack every day. If you see Pastor Tim, he's carrying this around, this Devo around. And you know what? We believe that Ethan is going to be a great man of God. We believe there's babies back there that are going to be, that are going to be great men and women of God. Hallelujah. The children of the righteous will be mighty in the land. The children of the righteous will be mighty in the land. We declare it. We believe it. They'll be full of the Spirit. They're going to make a difference. Hallelujah. They're going to go into the highways and byways and lift up Jesus. Come on, put your hands together. Yes, we believe it, oh God. Our kids will be better than us greater than us, more influential than us. They're going to do great things for the Most High God. Hallelujah. We are called to raise up the next Spirit-filled generation. And it's happening among us. It's happening among us. Brothers and sisters, we have to get in the space. Stand to your feet. I've got one more picture to show you. Actually, while I was at, um, 
well, I was at speaking at Teen Challenge in North Carolina this week. I got a picture. Catherine Risher, um, who again, we're going to be laying hands on her mom and dad. They're going to be the first lay pastors of Chicago Tabernacle. And um, she's taking 26 kids through a discipleship process, through DNA of a leader. These kids come from all walks of life. Some are kids in the church, some are not. Some are, are, are in foster care and all that. But how many know it doesn't matter where they come from? What really matters is where Jesus is, is taking them. It's where they're going for the glory of God. Hallelujah. Get in the space of faith. Get in the space of faith. I'm, I, I commend you for coming to church. I commend you for doing the things that you do. But faith is what pleases God. And faith says, I believe in the promise of God. And I believe that wherever there are desperate, hungry hearts reaching out, even from a city like Chicago, I believe he's going to pour out his spirit. His spirit.